How are we doing? Good morning, good morning. Welcome to City Light. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm so glad that you have joined us this morning, especially if you're new or just exploring things. Uh, maybe somebody invited you to a particular series like this where we're answering questions the world wants answers to. Just want you to know I'm so glad you're here. And if I can help in any way, please make sure to come talk to me at the end. I want to invite you guys to a couple things first. On your chair... There's a QR code, and that's going to keep you updated on all the events coming up so that you can know exactly what's going on and be involved as you need. Uh, The Celebrate Week, uh, once again, 21st through 26th, sports camp, 5 to 8, Monday through Friday, vaccination site on Saturday, uh, the big block party here on Thursday, 10 to 2, uh, with the gigantic adult water slide thing. It's going to be amazing. Uh, hopefully nobody gets hurt, all right? So that's what we're uh, praying for. Um, food deliveries on Monday. There's a lot of wonderful things going on that week. Uh, we'll be in D.C. Uh, Wednesday afternoon. And so there's a lot of great things. So for you to get involved, please come join us. <clears throat> please find out ways that you can get plugged in. It's on that QR code. Uh, we want to overwhelm the city with God's love. Also, and we have our local missions and now international. Uh, Because of COVID, we weren't quite sure uh, how a a trip would play out this summer, uh, but we've been able to to pull it together. And so it's it's only a month's notice, but in July 16 through 20, we're going to take a trip to Mexico to partner with our work in Tijuana with La Roca Ministries. Uh, it's a lot of involvement with orphan care, street ministry, red light district, uh, rehab centers, church, all this different stuff. This, this, this organization does so many wonderful things. Uh, many of your uh, uh, donations have gone towards them in our international efforts to serve and to bless their families and to bless the work that they're doing there. Uh, and so you'll fly in um, to L.A., you'll drive down to San Diego, we'll get picked up, we'll cross the border every day, uh, go serve in Mexico, come back and do that for a few days. It's going to be a great time together. And so that's uh, July 16th through 20. It's $1,500. There's, a mich- there's an interest meeting on June 27th after both services. And so if you're interested in that, it's a pretty turnkey trip. It's just a few days. Uh, and so we'd love for you to be involved if you are able to go do some international missions with us. And as things begin to open up, uh, we plan on taking a lot of trips in the future. And so we're excited to be doing this. So please join us if you are able. Uh, it'll be a fairly small trip. Um, so we're excited about it. So let me know. Check it out on the QR code. There's an application there if you want more information. Those are some of the big things coming up uh, we would love for you to be a part of and involved in. And so if you want to open your Bible to Genesis 1 again, once again, as we said last week, we're starting easy, first page of the Bible. We're going to help you out. It's not hard to find. We're working through a series called Instructions of Reconstruction. And the idea is to help many of you and to help many of your friends and family reconstruct a worldview or a way of looking at the world in the middle of your deconstruction or in the middle of your doubt. That we would be able to step in while you're getting rid of some of the beliefs you used to hold dear or while you're doubting some of the beliefs that you're being taught now and that we would help you rebuild the very life that God has made for you. As the video stated, we're all building a life and each brick has a belief behind it whether you think so or not. And so the question is, are you building an intentional life and a good life, not whether are you building a life at all? And so we want to step in and help you think through what makes for a good life, what makes for a right life, what makes for an ethical life, what makes for a life according to my design. 
So last week, if you missed it, this is foundational to our series, so I'm asking you, begging you to go listen to it. Uh, It was called, What Should I Believe? And it built the foundation for the things we're talking about this month. So if you missed last week, podcast, YouTube, please check it out. It's going to help you understand everything moving forward. For the next three weeks, we're answering the basic questions of human existence, and we're going to speak to particular topics in our culture today based off these questions. Uh, Who am I? Where do I belong, and what is my purpose? And these are the three questions that drive everything, whether you've realized it or not. It's the three basic questions of human existence. It's the three questions everyone's looking for answers to, and it's really the three questions that we build our lives upon. When I find out who I am, or when I'm trying to discover who I am, I make certain decisions. When I find where I belong, or when I want to belong in a particular place, group, or or location, I make certain decisions. And when I decide what my purpose is and what the meaning of life is, I make a ton of decisions based off that. If we answer these three questions, then we'll be able to build the life that God has intended for us. So who am I is going to be what we're talking about today. I want to throw up the resources again on the screen. I referenced them last week. If you weren't here or if you couldn't write them down, as I said, I've been reading an awful lot, trying to get ready. These were four of my favorites. Uh, Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Secular Creed by Rebecca. Before You Lose Your Faith, edited by Ivan Mesa, written by a bunch of different people and The Reason for God by Tim Keller. And so if you would like to go deeper into these things and thinking through some of these things, I highly recommend it. Uh, We passed out the Secular Creed at the conference yesterday. We still have some copies out front. And so if that's something you would actually read, I encourage you to take one uh, and go read it, and that will be helpful to you. So today we're talking about the question, who am I? And really at the core of the answer to who am I is the issue of identity, identity. Identity is the primary topic in our culture. Identity is the primary thing everyone is going to pursue. Identity really, spiritually speaking, has become an idol in our culture, and self-expression is the altar upon which we worship. Everyone is desperate to find an identity that can be celebrated and that can give dignity and worth to my life. Everyone is desperate to find an identity that can give me direction. Who am I, and what does that mean for what I should do? And who am I, and what does that mean for where I fit in? Therefore, because this is primary, we are obsessed with what we call finding ourselves or being true to ourselves. This is what the whole world is pursuing, and so now we need to understand, are these good bricks to build a life with? What does it mean to find yourself, what does it mean to be true to yourself? Is self-expression the greatest form of finding out who I am? And as we think through this, I wanna give you a a short example of what this is like. So trying to find yourself, I, I remember the other day, I think I shared this with you guys, my wife had left her keys in the middle of a field, right? I think you remember this story. Uh, it was, it was sun setting, it was dark, and the keys ended up in a very dark, humongous field. She couldn't find them. I had to Uber her back home, uh, and she made it back home safely, and everything was fine. But I went back at night, at 1030 at night, with a flashlight, and I spent an hour searching the field for a pair of keys, 
and I could not find the keys at all. I spent all my time looking, 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 trying to podcast things to make it worthwhile so I wasn't mad that I was doing this. Uh, And I was looking, and I couldn't find it, and I said to myself, I guess I have to wake up in the morning before school starts, try to come out here, get the keys to the van, bring it back home. Uh, And so this is what I did. I woke up. I went back in the morning upon daylight, and what took hours before in the dark that I could not find, it took me three minutes to find in the daylight. I walked down the field. I said, oh, there are the keys. And I'm like, I'm sure I walked by these keys a hundred times last night. I know I did. And it took me two seconds to find them when the, as soon as the lights were turned on. And what I want you to think about today is trying to find yourself is like my search in the dark field with the flashlight. It's very difficult. You might get close, but oftentimes the thing you think is yourself is actually a shiny candy wrapper. I would say, oh, those are my keys, and I would get close to them and say, no, it's not. Uh, And I would keep going over and over again. And many of us are like me in that dark field with our little flashlights, going on this journey of finding ourselves. But if we knew what it looked like to look in the light instead of the dark, we would find what we were looking for much faster. And today my goal to help you understand is simply to turn the lights on so that in the light you can see the very thing you have been looking for. And the question is not whether you will see it today. The question is whether you will receive it and whether you will pick up the very thing that God has laid down right in your path. And so the lights are coming on this morning. May the Lord give us wisdom and direction I also thought of this, if this is a simpler illustration, trying to find yourself is like a dog chasing his tail. Over and over again, no matter how hard you try, it is attached to his body. So when I look inside myself to find myself, I end up just running around in circles trying to catch something that I could never actually grab. And that's what it feels like to be a person apart from God with no real central identity, and therefore I have to find it in myself And maybe some of you are experiencing that or have experienced that. So let's look at Genesis 1. Let's see what the Bible says. Same text from last week. Uh, We're going to jump for a few places from here. We're going to use this text every week because it's foundational. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And he blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so to understand who you are, you have to go back to the original intent of your creator. Once again, as we said last week, without Genesis 1... We really have no foundation for pursuing truth, for pursuing rights, justice, and equality. We also have no reason or no real place to go to find out who I am. Because trying to find out who I am by looking in myself, who's only been alive a few years, and by trying to find out who I am by asking the world around me in 2021, is like picking up a book in page 200 and then being confused by the plot. You have to go back to the beginning for any true understanding of why you're here. And so that's what we're after this morning, Genesis 1. Now here's what happens. God makes men and women in his image. And this is our core identity. This is who we are at the root. 
But here's what I want you to understand about being made in God's image. Being made in God's image means that we are made to be like God, not to be God. We find our identity in being like him. We lose it in trying to be him. And this is the core reality at play in the universe right now and in your life. This is the struggle of the human race. Being made in God's image means that we are made to be like God, not to be God. Therefore, we find our identity, who we are, in being like him, but we lose it when we try to be him. When we try to be equal in power, authority, and status, when we try to be the Lord and master of our own lives, we find our identity in being like him. We lose it in trying to be him. And this is what happens in Genesis 3 when sin enters the world. The devil comes up and he tempts Adam and Eve with the very same fault that he had in and of himself. His temptation to them was that they could be like God, not in terms of character, but like God in terms of status, in terms of equality, in terms of power. His temptation to them from the very beginning was that you can be God. You don't have to settle for being under him. You don't have to settle for being like him. You can be him. You can know the same things that he knows. You can see the same ways that he sees. You can be God. And it is this temptation that led the entire human race into sin. And it is the very thing in Genesis 3 that explains why the world is broken as it is. And it's this very temptation to be God that we fall into time and time again when we simply try to be the master of our own life. And instead of finding ourselves by becoming our own master, we lose ourselves. This is what I want you to see. And this is what I want you to also understand about the world. The created reality is that we, like Jesus, are beautiful, but the common reality is that because we want to be him, we are also broken. Because we are made like him in his image, we are beautiful. But because we attempt to be him, we are broken. And this spiritual reality explains what you already inherently know. Your instincts tell you two things, no matter who you are or where you come from. That human beings have some sort of dignity and worth and beauty bestowed upon them that makes them unique. And I ought to treat them with care and love. At the same time, although there's beauty in the people, there's also brokenness. And you know this in yourself and you know this in the world around you. Human beings are very wonderfully valuable, and they should be treated as such, and we make laws to make sure that is the case. But at the same time, we also recognize that there's something really broken. There's something broken with the world around me. Why is there disease and sickness? Or something broken with my own heart? Why am I so selfish? Or something broken with the world around me? Why do things have to be so hard? And you're going to keep looking for answers until you find the reality in Genesis 1 and 3 that there's beauty in people because they're made in God's image. There's brokenness in people because they want to be him instead. And this explains so many things that you're trying to figure out already. Why is there so much good but also so much pain? How is there beauty and brokenness? And the Bible gives you an explanation to the truth you inherently and instinctively know and experience. 
And apart from the Bible and people being made in the image of God and sin entering in the world in Genesis 3, you have no real foundation to explain why human beings are more valuable than cows. And you also have no real information to explain why in the world is the world so broken. And what I love uh, from C.S. Lewis, he talks about this. The reality that you know the world is broken, that you think there should be a different kind of world, shows you that you are made for a different kind of world. Why would you think this world is broken if this is all you know? Why would you look at things and say, that's not right or as it should be? Have you been anywhere else? No. And so the Bible explains to you that the fact that you can look out in the world and say, this is not as it should be, tells you that you were made for what should be. And you're instincts inside, although broken because of sin, still give witness to the reality that you are made to walk with God in the image of God. So here's what I want you to, here's what I want to do based off Genesis 3, is I'm going to take several minutes now to just explain to you who you are. And I'm going to read most of this to get it right, because I really took some time to think through this. But I want to explain to you who you are. Here's the answer to the question, who am I? Who am I? I am a human being made in the image of God. I am made by God and for God. I belong to him. My purpose is to know him and to love him and to join him in what he is doing on the earth. Because I am made in God's image, I have significant value and worth. This has been declared over me by the one who has all authority. My value is fixed. It does not change. It does not change with more or less money. It does not change with more or less followers. It does not change with more or less influence. It does not change with more or less status. It does not change with more or less talents. It does not change with more or less anything. My value and identity in God simply does not change. My identity is not determined by my ability or my disability. It is not determined by what I can do or what I cannot do. It is not determined by what I think of myself or what others think of me. It is not determined by what others say or don't say. It is not earned by something I do. It is inherent to something I am, an image bearer of God. Therefore, my identity is a gift from God. And it is based solely of who he is and what he has said. Because I am a human being made in God's image, I am therefore distinct from all other types of creation. I am unique. I have been made with intentionality and care. I am not an accident. Nothing about me is an accident. I have been put together on purpose by God. I was born in a particular place on purpose. My ethnicity, skin color, language, and culture are distinct, beautiful, and necessary to the full display of God's glory. I am beautiful, wonderful, and valuable. That truth is fixed and unchangeable. 
At the same time, it is a beauty covered in brokenness. My sin has separated me from my creator. I was made for him. I was made to know him, but I have ignored and rejected him. Sin has broken what was beautiful and stripped me of enjoying the truths that were originally spoken over me. Now instead of being secure in my identity, place, and purpose, I am constantly looking for them. Instead of receiving my value as a gift, I am now trying to earn it. I look inside myself to find out who I am, but I see lots of things that I don't like. Even when I express myself with confidence, it is a mask for my insecurity. I know something is wrong. And so I look to the world to tell me who I am. But they change their mind all the time. When I place my value in their hands, I live by their approval, but I die by their rejection. And I'm stuck. And I know there has to be something more. I was made for more. And there is. The good news is that the God who made me sees me and he loves me. In the midst of my brokenness, he still sees the beauty. He sent his son Jesus to save me. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are the solution to restore what was broken. I can be forgiven. As I am forgiven, I can be renewed to the original intent of my creator. I can go back to what I was made for. I don't have to keep looking for something God has already given me. So by faith in Christ... I move from the dignified position as his creation to the desirable position as his child. I move from being beautifully made but destined for destruction to being beautifully made and destined for heaven. I have a hope and a future. In Christ, my identity is secure. My value is fixed. And my purpose is meaningful. Jesus loves me even in my weakness. He is a friend of sinners. I do not have to be afraid. And I do not have to be enough. Because he is enough. I can rest in who I am because I know who he is. I am his and he is mine. Who I now am and is wrapped up in who he has always been. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God now dwells in me. I walk today in this God confidence. 
God is working in me and through me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in me. Nothing is impossible with God. His power is made perfect even in my weakness. In his power and authority, I join him for the greatest cause on earth, the salvation of souls. I have found my purpose. I am living with meaning. As the Father has sent Jesus, so now Jesus sends me. Because of Christ, my identity is now in him. The place where I belong is with him, and my purpose comes from him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's who you are in Christ. That's who you are called to be if you are here without Christ. God wants to secure your identity this morning, to affirm your beauty, and to give you an answer for your brokenness. The keys are laying on the ground. The lights are on. You can see what you've been looking for. Will you receive it? Will you walk in it? Because of this wonderful, beautiful truth, you can now reconstruct a life with God. As you walk through the process of your doubts and your deconstruction, as you consider the things you once believed and are barely holding on to, this truth, starting from Genesis 1 and working its way through the entire Bible about who you are as God's creation and who you can be as God's child now defines everything about your existence. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Your identity has been given to you as a gift, and you in Christ are new. You are not what you were, and you are not what you can make of yourself. Your regrets do not define you, and the anxieties of the future no longer burden you. The things you look back on with disdain have been covered by the blood, and the things you worry about in the future have been secured by the sovereignty of God. You are not what you were, and you are not what you can make of yourself. You are what God has called you to be. If anyone is in Christ, he is brand new. The Lord wants you to walk in your new identity as a Christ follower. And for some of you in the room, the, world, the Lord wants to call you into something new. Aren't you tired of the same old thing? Aren't you tired of looking in yourself to try to find something and being so disappointed? Aren't you tired from going to the world for approval and dying by their rejection? Aren't you tired for looking and looking in the dark with your small little flashlight and never finding what you're looking for? The Lord wants to give you something new this morning. The gospel is good news. And you can join the world in their never-ending search 
for an identity based off self-expression or based off the world's approval, and you will constantly, constantly be looking and changing, or you can find security and stability in something God has said and declared over you. You are new. In Christ, the puzzle pieces of your life begin to come together. And much like when you first start a puzzle, it's very confusing. But as you start to get the edges in place, it builds and makes more sense. When you receive the foundation or the edges from God, although life can be confusing, as it comes together and as you put the pieces back together, it begins to make more and more sense. As you pursue a life lived with the building blocks of God, the puzzle will begin to come together. You won't fully understand it all, but piece by piece, it will begin to make more sense. And I think every person in here who's been walking with Jesus can testify. But if you continue to choose to walk apart from Christ and receive your identity from somewhere else, it'll be like a never-ending search just for the edges of the puzzle so that you can start working on your life. God wants to give you the foundation upon which you build your entire life this morning, Genesis 1. So here's something important. You can receive this identity. You can answer the question, who I am, from the world or from God. Those are your only two choices, the world or the word. And as you think you've seen already, a fragile identity is formed by the world but a firm identity is formed by the word. If you want to be secure and stable in who you are, the only place to receive that kind of gift is from the word of God because it's never changing, it's consistent, and it comes from God himself who made you. This is why our culture is so filled with people that have a difficulty even handling someone else's non-affirmation of what they say about themselves. Because an identity formed by the world is fragile. It's like glass. And one little touch can break the whole thing. But an identity formed by the word of God is firm. Here's something for you to understand. Last week we said God does not want to restrict but to expand your freedom. And today God does not want to restrict but expand your potential to realize who you really are. It is not God's goal to restrict who you are. It is God's goal to reveal who you are. And if you come to the scriptures with the idea that God wants to tell me who I'm not, then you've missed the whole point because God wants to tell you who you are. And in telling you who you are, he clarifies who you're not. God's primary goal isn't to hide who you are or to tell you not to be something. His primary goal is to declare who you are and reveal to you who he has made you to be. He does not want to maximize, he wants to maximize, not minimize your life and your identity. He, of all people, wants you to truly find yourself. And so to really find ourselves, we must understand we have to do things God's way. This is once again, as people go through the Bible and navigate the limits or the commandments or the way of life, approved and not approved in the Bible, you must understand, as we said last week, that real freedom has real limits, 
And that if we want to be firm in God's, in God's identity for us, if we want to be secure and stable in who God has said over us, we must do things God's way. Which, as I've said often in teaching the Bible, if you read the Bible consistently, it's almost like every day is opposite day, where I read something and God tells me it's the opposite of what I already think. And you should be ready for that, because here's something so important for you to find yourself. You want to find yourself? You want to be true to yourself? You want to go deep like that? Here it is. I find myself through self-denial, not through self-expression. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you must lose it first. And if I don't have categories for God affirming who I am, if I don't have categories for God wanting to reveal who I am, if I don't have categories for the fact that real freedom has limits, if I'm not thinking that God wants to expand my freedom, not restrict it, if I'm not thinking that God wants to reveal who I am, not restrict who I am, then I will read things like self-denial and think it's foolish. But if when I read the Bible, when I come to the limits of God, when I come to the way he has said to live, that that requires my self-denial, I realize that it is in the very place of self-denial that I find myself. And if my whole life is filled with self-expression, I will be doing the opposite of what it takes to find who I really am. And that's all the world is telling you. You have to catch this. The world says, express yourself to find yourself. Look inside and let it come out. Express yourself to to find yourself. And if someone doesn't affirm what you express of yourself, cancel them and don't deal with it. And then people do that and it doesn't work. It doesn't even work. And now the Lord has brought you here to clarify something for you that you will find yourself not through self-expression but through self-denial. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you must lose it first. And even those of you who call yourselves Christ followers are still so caught up, myself included, in self-expression. But the way of God and the way to true identity, purpose, and meaning is through self-denial. And you have to believe this, because otherwise, every time God tells you to not be something or to not do something, you're going to be frustrated and upset because he's trying to take something away from you as opposed to trying to give you something. When God says don't do it, it's like a parent protecting you. He's keeping you from harm and trouble. He's trying to put you on the right path so that you would understand. So when God gives limits and when God says crucify that desire in your heart, he's not trying to take away something from you. He's trying to give something to you that you would find who you were really meant to be. And if you spend the rest of your days in self-expression, you will spend the rest of your days in frustration because it's not going to get what you want. But if you would spend your life in self-denial, according to the ways of God, you would find that when I lose my life, it is at that very point that I save it. And when I give up of myself, it is at that very place of releasing myself that I find myself in him. Here's, I I wanna show you this story as we prepare to close out from Matthew 16. I find this so interesting in terms of how to find your identity. What's a story from the Bible about this? Look at Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that 
the Son of Man is. And basically, who do they say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You have to see how this works. This is so important. When I confess his true identity, he confirms my true identity. You see how this works? Jesus says, who am I? And Peter says, you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And then Peter says, and you are, I mean, Jesus says, and you are Peter. You are Jesus, and you are Peter. And you know, Peter was not his original name. His original name was Simon. But we learn from John 1, 40 through 42, that the moment Jesus met Peter, the moment Jesus met Simon, he named him Peter. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus, said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus placed a new name on on Simon, now Peter, as a form by which he declared his new identity. And I love this because only Jesus would do this. Imagine the first time you met someone, they changed your name. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. Like, what are you doing, you know? You can't even give me a nickname yet. I just met you. This is not allowed or appropriate. I'm like, what's up? You come up to me, you're like, hey, Pastor Nan. And you're like, hey, I'm John. I'm like, now you'll be called Susan, all right? Whatever. And now you, I'm just going to call you whatever you want. Now you'll be called Jimmy, all right? Whatever you want. I'm just going to call you whatever I want to call you. I'm like, no, 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 no. You'd be like, that's crazy. But Jesus meets Simon. And he's like, hey, Simon, now you'll be called Cephas, Peter. I can't imagine what Peter would have been like. But here's what I want you to see, is that the meaning comes in the meeting, and that it is until I have my meeting with God that I don't find the meaning of my life. When did Peter's life really change? When did he find his real identity? The moment he had his meeting with Jesus. It was in the meeting that he found his meaning And it was in the confession of God's true identity that he confirmed his own identity. These things are interconnected. I would close with this statement that ultimately I find myself in him. I find myself in him. I find myself in him. It is the paradox of having to release myself and my own personal identity to someone else that I finally realize my own personal identity and calling. I find myself not by looking inside of myself. I find myself not by asking someone else about myself. I find myself in him. And when I confirm his true identity, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he confirms my true identity. You are Nathan, the child of the living God. And in my meeting with Jesus, I find my meaning for life. And some of you haven't had that meeting yet. And some of you, Jesus brought you in here this morning to reveal himself as Jesus, the son of God, the Christ. 
And the call on you now is to say yes. Because look at the text here. He says, what do they say? And they give him some responses. But then he says, what do you say? So now it's on you. What do they say is out the window. And the question is, what do you say? What does your family say? Out the window. What do your friends say? Out the window. What does culture say? Out the window. What does the news say? Out the window. What do they say? Oh, Jesus is this, Jesus is that. But he looks at you right in the eye and he says, what do you say? So what do you say? What I want to offer you this morning is your true, full self in Jesus Christ. If you identify him correctly, you will identify yourself correctly. Until you get the identity of Jesus right, you will always be looking wrong for your own. You will never be right about yourself until you are right about him. It all starts and ends with Jesus. So as we said in the beginning, the lights are on, the keys are in full view. The Lord has shown you what you've been looking for your whole life. The question today is not do you see it, but will you receive it? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask that you would continue to reveal yourself now as we respond to you. I pray that everyone in this room, God, would be established firm in you. I pray that you would make so many new through faith in Jesus Christ. I ask that you would make us strong in you and that the search would be over and that we would be a people who know ourselves and who find ourselves in you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for making us and calling us to yourself. Thank you for the opportunity to be your child. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.